field. Adams called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. Hi, Red Sox fans. Red Sox beat CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox and, of course, all New England professional sports. We're on Twitter at CLNS Media. Facebook is CLNS Media as well. And don't forget, we're on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, Red Sox beat podcast. Don't forget, rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes as well as if you're listening on Stitcher. Uh, wherever you're listening to us, we appreciate all the support you give us and, of course, the whole network together. Um, Laura Campbell, Jess Thomas, myself, Jared Scali here. Full crew back this week. Disappointing week, to say the absolute least. Uh, Red Sox, really, really just not, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. We'll get into the whole thing, we'll recap it. But guys, overall, um, not what we expected, not the way the Red Sox have been playing. And, and hopefully it gets better, and it started tonight. But overall, this week was very disappointing. I mean, the first three games of the Indian series were pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you got to think overall. I mean, coming into tonight's game, they were three and a half games or two and a half games up on the Yankees, and that's just not okay. Yeah, two and a half coming into tonight, pretty concerning. So we'll um, we're obviously going to break down a lot tonight in regards to you know, um, is there an issue with Chris Sale and the Indians? That's been a big storyline this week, as well as uh, you know, certain things in the offense, Pedroia and, and Price updates, uh, a lot of stuff going on. So. First, you know, we'll get to the recap. Let's let's just break this down, recap the week, and, and see exactly what it is that happened after that Indian series. Yeah, so it started on Monday, a nice seven-day week, uh, with the first game against the Indians, a four-game series um, in Cleveland, big series. Um, and it started off pretty rough on a game that should have won, really. Uh, I was 4-3 to three going to the eighth inning, and... Uh, Sox bullpen just blew it at the end. I was starting in the first inning. Andrew Benintendi had a two-run homer in the first off of Mike Clevenger, make it two to nothing. And then Eduardo Rodriguez had uh, one bad inning, as has been the case with him all season long. And uh, he gave up a three-run homer to Roberto Perez, make it three to two Indians. And then Hanley Ramirez had a two-run homer in the fifth to make it four to three Red Sox. That would be the last run they scored. Nobody would score until the eighth inning. And, uh, Edwin Encarnacion got an RBI single to tie the game at four. And then in the ninth inning, it was pretty rough. A very awful finish to this one. Uh, it ended on an error by Brock Holt. So what happened was Brandon Geyer doubled off Workman to start the ninth. And then Roberto Perez tried to bunt him over to third. And instead of doing that, he ended up get, getting uh, the ball of Holt. Holt double pumped, threw the ball away. And then Brandon Geyer scored, and the Indians won five to four. So that was pretty brutal. I mean, you got a four-three lead going to the ninth, to the eighth inning, and then you give up one run each in the eighth and the ninth. Put a sour taste in your mouth to start the series. As soon as Encarnacion tie the game, I, you were going to lose that game. It's just the way it was going, the trends that are happening, and you know this. Obviously, you won the series, but when you watch that game, it's just 
Encarnacion is a guy that I still every time he hits, every time you watch him play, it pisses me off because he should have been in a Red Sox uniform. I'm still kind of mad that they didn't even go after him um, to replace or try to replace Ortiz as much as possible. And you know you're missing his bat in the lineup, and you know you're showing why he shows why the Cleveland Indians are, are such a good team. Games like that, he's at the plate and he's going to knock the tying run in. And as soon as he did that, game was over. Yeah, I knew as soon as he hit that ball that I was like, there's no way the Red Sox are winning this game. And it's not a good feeling, but at the same time, it's just like that game shouldn't have ended the way it did anyway. But I was just like, this is not good for the Red Sox. As soon as that ball was hit, I was like, nope, there's the game. It's a shame, too, because Clevenger only went four and a third innings, four hits, four runs, four walks, four strikeouts. Didn't pitch well at all. Had him on the ropes, but couldn't score off their bullpen. So, you know. Hard to win when you can't score off a team's bullpen. Fortunately, things turned around on Tuesday in the second game of the series after that heartbreaker in Game 1. Um, this one was a little bit different uh, in terms of the scoring. Uh, the Red Sox got a lot more runs, which was not a theme of the week, so nice to get in this game. 9-1 uh, to one final in this game, uh, but this one was all about Doug Fister, not the offense. The offense is great. We'll take nine runs on 12 hits. But Doug Fister gave up a leadoff home run to Francisco Lindor, first batter of the game. And you're like, oh, here we go, Doug Fister again. And then he went the entire game without giving up a single hit the whole rest of the time. He pitched nine innings, one hit, one run, two walks, and six strikeouts. So other than the one hit by Lindor, he gave up two walks, and he had one hit by pitch. And that was it. 114 pitches, complete game. Uh, so before we even get to the offense in this one, that was unbelievable. That You don't see that hardly ever. No, it's weird how that played out. And the thing that just bugs me now is, you know, we know what Fister can do, right? That's a good Indians offense that he pillaged through, except for that one bad pitch to start the game. And, you know, you see the struggles of Sale against the Indians and um, whether or not, you know, why is it that Sale can't do well against them and Fister can. Um, but Fister's up and down. And, yeah, that's the definition of a fifth starter. But, you know, I'd love to know which Fister I'm going to get because – Fister can pitch one game like this and studly come out of nowhere and have a one-hit jam like that. In the next game, he might start and and load the bases in the first inning and not even get out of the first inning. You never know, you know, and that's what pisses me off about the situation because the starting rotation at the back end right now, especially without Price there, is really really not sure of what's going on back there. Um, but this game, obviously, nine runs, didn't even need him, um, and it's just fantastic the way he kind of um, went through and, pun intended, fisted the Indians. Yeah, absolutely. It was unbelievable to watch him do that and it was it's funny it was the night you know the whole Celtics and Cavs trade went down and everyone's talking about that and I'm just like guys Doug Pister is one hitting the Indians right now it's the eighth inning and it's just it's unbelievable I couldn't believe that he was going out there and just absolutely dominating because it's not what we expected we expected you know maybe a start like tonight or something or the last night you know it's it's something that was completely unexpected but a very good unexpected and Indians offense of all offenses to shut down. This was the one to do it. And he did it before too. And the last start against the Indians two two starts to go against the Indians. It's the third time he pitched against them. The first time he also pitched really well. He went seven and two thirds, only giving up a couple runs. So it wasn't a one hitter, but it was close. And I mean, I, it seems like he's figured it out. I think I know that he's, he did some work with Brian Bannister and the, uh, the pitching staff and they figured out, uh, what was wrong with him and like changed the way he was pitching a little bit and here he goes so hopefully this is the fish to see the rest of the year and that could be a guy you trust in the playoffs because he's been really good which is awesome well, especially if price um, doesn't come back oh yeah 
you're going to need him <laughs> for sure. Uh, and this, the offense in this game was against Carlos Carrasco, who was 12 and five coming into the game, and the Sox jumped all over him. Uh, six runs in six and two thirds innings, uh, one in the first, one in the second. Then they really did the damage in the uh, fifth through seventh. Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a home run in the fifth to make it three to one. And then Nunez hit a two-run double to make it 5-1. And then Ben Benintendi got a double to make it 6-1. Nunez hit a three-run homer to make it 9-1 to in the eighth inning. But all those ones were off of Carrasco until Nunez's home run. So they really roughed him up. But this was definitely Eduardo's night along with Fister. He was 2-for-5 with 5 RBI in the home run. I mean, he's still been great. He hasn't gotten to hit every at-bat like he was for a little while. But he's been a spark plug, and he continues to be. Yeah, he's been he's been a force, and it's been he's been so much fun to watch. And I just I want to see more of him. I want to see more what he can do. I mean, five RBI that that's incredible for somebody who can who could barely hit while he wasn't with us. So it's nice just to see him completely be a completely different player while he's here. It'd be nice now if they can just consistently do it because the end of the week <laughs> wasn't great. So and we'll get to it, but you know it was, it was nice to see it. It was nice to see it Tuesday for sure. It was. Yeah, that's the funny thing. Nunez was getting all kinds of hits with the Giants, but he was not hitting home runs, and he's already hit no. more home runs yeah, seriously. with the Sox than he did with the, the Giants all season Ballpark long. Ballpark does have something to do with it. Yeah, no doubt, for sure. Uh, that brings in a Wednesday's game, and this was another really, 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 really well-pitched game. Uh, Drew Pomerantz this time around. Uh, we'll get to him later, just his season as a whole. But uh, the Sox won this game 6-1. to one. The Indians got one run on three hits the entire game. Pomerantz went five in the third innings, two hits, four walks, nine strikeouts. Obviously, you don't want the four walks, but he got nine Ks and he only gave up two hits. Uh, and he outdueled Corey Kluber, who pitched longer into the game. He went seven and two thirds, but he had twelve strikeouts as well. But he gave up two runs, so that was that was the difference. Uh, in this game, Mitch Moreland had a home run in the fifth. That was the first scoring of the game. It was scoreless up to that point. And then Mookie Betts hit an RBI single in the eighth inning to make it two to nothing. So this game all really all came down to the end. Uh, Edwin Encarnacion got the Indians' only run with a home run off Addison Reed in the eighth inning, and the Sox broke it open in the ninth with four runs. Rafael Devers scored in a pass ball. Brock Holt got an RBI double, and Eduardo Nunez hit his second straight ninth inning home <laughs> run, a two run job this time. He's becoming like the ninth inning Crazy. killer to put these games out of reach. Yeah. So these two games, I mean. Outscored the Indians fifteen to two and give up one hit on Tuesday and three hits on Wednesday. That was great. Yeah, that was that was so great. I don't really have any other words other than that. Like it was just, it was great, great game, great, great everything. I mean, I just, it was great. Like you said. Yeah, and, and like watching this game too, it's one of those things where I mean, you're you're kind of lucky that um, obviously the offense came into it late, but Kluber was dealing for most of this game, and you're just kind of lucky that Pomerantz, well, not really lucky because Pomerantz has been pitching well all year, but it was nice to have a guy that we're starting to really see completely trustable on the mound is was able to go and duel Kluber pitch for pitch for the most part and out him, I think, despite not going as long into the game. Um, and look, Kluber pitched really well. It's not like he deserved to lose, but the Red Sox offense took care of it when they switched to the bullpen, and that, that's kind of why he won that game. Yeah, less hits for Pomerantz, less runs, only three less strikeouts. Pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, this was this was a good game, except for Hanley Ramirez. He was 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. He's been mired in a pretty deep slump. So yeah, it's been bad. But snapshot those two games because the rest of this recap is not going to be too happy. Yeah, those were those were two really good ones. Uh, the Indian series is looking real good, and you had two out of three with Chris Sale coming to the mound on Thursday. You're thinking, wow, you got to win three out of four, like you guys predicted. Unfortunately, 
they split, which is what I predicted. So I got that one right. The rest of the, <laughs> the rest of the week, not so much. But we'll get to that. Um, this game was brutal. Thirteen to six Indians win. Chris Sale pitching. He gave up seven runs on seven hits, six earned, three walks, which is a lot for him, and only three strikeouts in this game. He threw sixty-seven pitches, and he got pulled after three innings, shortest outing of the year, shortest outing in two years, actually, since twenty fifteen. Um, before we get to the rest of the game, I mean, what do you think was wrong with him, guys? I mean, he gave up a lot of singles. It was mostly RBI singles, uh, and that was basically it. I mean, he only went three innings, so not much happened. No, we'll t- and we'll touch on the big picture of Sale, too, later, because we want to talk about him and the Indians overall, too. But, look, I think, you know, in this game, at least watching it, for the most part, it just didn't look like he had control at all. Um, I don't know if it's just a lack of effort or, you know, if they got comfortable. But, you know, this is the second. This was a second start where he just kind of fell flat on his face and really wasn't able to control where he was throwing the ball. And that's not Chris Sale. That's not what we watch every time when we come here on the show most of the summer and, and revel on this guy. We, we goggle at this guy when we talk about him most episodes. So watching that game was obviously tough as a Red Sox fan. You know, as a guy who can criticize baseball, it just looked like he didn't have control of it. It looked like he was off coming off the mound and not a pitching coach by any means, but it just looked like he didn't have full command of his arm slot and where he, the ball was going. Yeah, that's exactly. I didn't have any control. And I also think the Indians are just a team that's figured this guy out. They just, they know how to hit him well. They know how to get to him. And that's exactly what, what they did in this game. And it just show, goes to show Castell's human. But I also love what he said after the game, that he just, that he sucked. Like I love that he just owns it, but it, I mean, it sucks to see. So, but it's just, the Indians are a team that's figured him out. He also said after the game that he absolutely wants to face him in the playoffs. So that's the kind of attitude you want to have uh, from the guy instead of being afraid of it, which Seriously. is great. So, uh, so the rest of the game, actually, the Sox came back a little bit. They got um, a couple runs back once it was 7-1. to one. Uh, Mitch Moreland got the first run with a home run in the third. That was the first run. And then in the fourth, Andrew Bogart set a two-RBI triple, and Mitch Moreland got another RBI and a single, and it was 7-4. to four. Thought, oh, maybe you have a chance. And then Sale came out of the game. And then, unfortunately, the bullpen gave up a few more runs. Uh, Giovanni Urshela hit an RBI single. Jay Bruce hit another home run. Uh, Roberto Perez hit an RBI double. And then it was 10-4. to And then they just kind of piled on three more runs in the seventh. Lindor hit a home run. Uh, then Mitch Moreland did a second home run in the game in the eighth. Two-run homer to make it 13-6. to And that was the final. Uh, really, it was the bottom of the lineup in this game. It had a historic night. Yandy Diaz was 4-for-4 four four with four runs and two RBI. Roberto Perez was 3-for-4 with two RBI. And Giovanni Urshela was 2-for-5 with four RBI and a run. And the funniest thing, I mentioned this in my recap, guys, is that even after the game, with nine, nine hits for those guys combined, Diaz was hitting 230, Perez was hitting 195, and Urshela was hitting 205. So the Sox got absolutely rocked by three guys who have no business doing anything. It seems to happen that way every time it happens, right? You know, Guys who shouldn't have any rights beating you like that are the ones who tend to beat you in games like this. You score a lot of runs, and it always to be the guys who don't deserve it. Or shouldn't sale, be the ones who don't deserve it. Yeah, of all people. Yeah, of all people, it's sale that they do this. So it's just a really weird game all around. Baseball. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> That's what it's all about. So that was a 13-6 loss. Obviously, Moreland and Bogarts are the bright spots. They combined for five of the nine hits and six of the six RBI and four of the six runs. So they pretty much did it all. So rough game, obviously. You want to take three out of four with Sale. Instead, he stunk it up, went three innings, and they split the series. So I got that right. Uh, and I was feeling good about my uh, my prediction with a sweep of the Baltimore Orioles. 
uh, as we're going to get it into right now, that couldn't have been further from the truth if it tried to be. Oh, so, so bad. And really, the worst of it was the first game on Friday. Uh, first first night of Players Weekend, got all your cute little nicknames on the back of the shirt. And the Orioles did a cute little thing and went and got 16 runs on 21 hits. So, uh, boy, um, where to start in this game? Rick Porcello, five errors. <laughs> I don't even know where to start, so we'll just, start at the beginning. It was just a lot of crap. It was really what it yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the first problem was that the Orioles got up 5 nothing after an inning and a half. Hard to win any game when you're... Uh, when you're giving up five runs before your team can barely even get to the plate. Well, that was the um, theme of the losses, right? That was the theme of all these losses when they were in this losing streak until tonight. It was just they get, get down two or three runs, if not more, and then they just couldn't hit out of it. Exactly right. Could not. It's hard to, I mean, it's hard to come back when you're down five to seven to nothing after two or three innings every night. So That is true. That's what happened. Uh, Mark Trumbo at a home run and admits those five runs off Porcello. Uh, errors all over the place. Bogart's got a two-run homer to make it 5-2, but then the Orioles are right back at it. Davis had a home run in the, fi- in the third, Chris Davis, to make it 6-2. Then the fifth came, and the Orioles scored seven more runs as if they weren't up enough already. Um, Seth Smith, sorry, Trey Mancini, RBI single. Seth Smith, two RBI single. Tim Beckham, two RBI double. Jonathan Scope, RBI single. Adam Jones, RBI single. And it was 13-2. And then the final was 16-3 after a couple more runs. Uh, Porcello gave up 10 hits, 11 runs, only 4 earned, 4 strikeouts, and 4 and 2 thirds. Uh, it's hard to back him up very much in this game, as we try to do, because something always seems to go strange with the starts, and he had obviously won 4 starts in a row. But, 11 runs, 4 earned. He was certainly by no means sharp or good in any way, but the Sox had 5 errors. That's insane. Yeah, you're not going to win a game with 5 errors in any baseball game, unless you're like playing a Little League team. Then you're not going to win with 5 errors. But, look, this game was a train wreck from the beginning, and this is the game that made me pull my hair out, but then I didn't even watch most of it because as soon as it got bad at the beginning, I just turned it off. Honestly, I didn't watch this whole game because it just it was one of those things where you watch it and you just, you knew this was coming, and man, was it not was it hard to watch for the couple innings that I actually did watch. It was ugly. It was just absolutely ugly. I mean, and now we've you know we've given Porcello a lot of credit for being a good pitcher this year and not getting the run support, but this one was just. Not there was not good pitching, not good offense, not even good defense. I mean, five errors. They they haven't done that in so long. It was just sloppy game altogether. Awful game. This game made me hate Players Weekend. Like I didn't even want Saturday and Sunday. I, I I thought to myself, like, can we just switch back to normal jerseys? Like, disgusting. How bad <laughs> Friday was. I know it was such a buzzkill too because they were all excited. Everyone's tweeting Players Weekend, Players Weekend, nicknames, blah blah blah, and then they just got absolutely hammered. And I was like, all right, I think. Uh, Maybe a little too much focus on the players' weekend, not enough focus on not getting destroyed. Seriously, so. if only Dirty Craig could actually get a save on players' weekend. Come on, right? Or even pitch for that matter. Seriously, <laughs> didn't, in the fir- didn't in the first two games. No, <laughs> no reason to. No reason to in any of them, hardly, but especially the first two. Uh, so that moves us on to Saturday, uh, and this one was bad in a different way because this one was no offense. Not that there was much offense on Friday, but even less on Saturday. Uh, Kevin Gosman just dazzled the entire game. Uh, seven and two-thirds innings, four hits, no runs. I mean, he was 9-9 nine and nine with an ERA over five coming into the game. The Sox had rocked him several times in his career, and they couldn't do anything with him on Saturday. And Erod pitched and gave up five runs in the second inning. The big, big blow was a Tim Beckham three-run three homer. You can call it three-RBI homer if you want. 
Uh, that made it five to nothing, and that was the only runs for the Orioles until the eighth inning. Um, Erod went six and two thirds. He didn't give up a run the rest of the game. But this has been a problem with him the whole season as he's had terrible second innings. It happened in the first game of this week that I talked about, three runs in the second inning, five more runs in the second inning. It's hap- I mean, he's given up like way more runs in the second inning than any other inning but the, this, this whole season when he's actually pitched. So that's concerning because like, he's pitched well, but if you have one terrible inning, you're probably not going to win most of your games. Well, it's like how Rick Porcello's issues are. You know, when Rick Porcell has a crappy outing, it's a home run in the first, home run in the third, and then the injured down. And the, the, this losing streak, I think partially, I mean, not really thinking partially, it is. The starting pitching has been the problem, right? That the team has gotten down early, and then they're trying to rely on this patchwork offense because you're, you're missing Pajoya right now for people to fall into the right places. And you're relying on young guns who maybe can't do it all the time yet because they're not there yet in their careers. So the starting rotation needs to be that lockdown clamp that brings you into the playoffs and win this division. And for this losing streak, including that game with Erod, if you don't pitch well at the beginning of the game, I don't care how well you pitch the rest of the way, this offense isn't always going to be there to bail you out. So this starting rotation needs to figure it out. And that starts with Erod, that starts with Corsale. Um, some of these guys who have been pitching well for the most part all year can't get off to a slow start because that seems to be the theme of the Red Sox, just cannot hit out of it when that happens. Yeah, and it's a shame that you know, it's the second inning for Erod. It's early in the game. It's not like he's up in his pitch count or anything. And I mean, I wish we could kind of pitch around him in the second inning. Like we could just take him out, send someone else in until the third. Bring him back. <laughs> back into the third and forget. That'd be great. Yeah, it would be nice. But I mean, it sucks because he has pitched well. He pitched well in this game except for that one inning. But I mean, in baseball, it it only takes one inning for for this game to get out of control. Yeah, and I mean, the offense was nowhere to be found against Gossman. Betts had two hits, Moreland had two hits, and that was it. Nobody else had a hit. Everybody else was over. Pretty ugly. Four hits total. Seven runs, ten hits for the Orioles. No runs, four hits for the Red Sox. Fortunately, though, guys, no errors for the Red Sox in this yeah, game. Yeah, right, big switch. Big difference from uh, Sunday, uh, Friday. So It's amazing how yeah. a 7 nothing game can look not terrible when you don't have errors in the game, despite it being 7 nothing. And at this point, in the last three games, the Sox were outscored uh, thirty-six to four. So, not very, not very good. Nope, <laughs> not good at all. Ugly. Yeah. So, um, that brought us into Sunday, trying to salvage one game against the Orioles, and unfortunately, it didn't happen. This is a Doug Fister special again against Wade Miley, old friend, and uh, Fister pitched really well. Unfortunately, Miley pitched a little bit better. Fister went two more innings. He went seven innings, five hits, two runs, seven Ks. Miley only went five, but he only gave up one run. So that was the difference. Uh, and both the runs that Fister gave up were in the first inning again, so that seems to be his problem. Erod's second inning, Fister's first inning. And uh, Adam Jones had an RBI double, and Trey Mancini had an RBI double. Devers had an RBI double in the sixth for the Sox. That was their only run. Uh, Thirteen men left on base in this game. The Sox had two more hits than the Orioles. So, I mean, really, chalk this one up to not being able to score runs when you have the chance is pretty much what happened because Fister was great again. Yeah, he had, and they had plenty of opportunity, like you're saying. They stranded, what, 13 guys on base, you said? So yep. overall, not mad about the situation Fister put them in, right? He pitched well, like you said, and you look at this game, you lose a lot of opportunity, and, you know, for some reason, Wade Miley comes into Fenway or when they pitch against the Red Sox, whenever he pitches against the Red Sox. Sneaky good for some reason. I don't know if he's still holding a grudge about being traded, but it seems like Wade Miley, whenever he pitches against the Red Sox, does pretty well. Always good, yeah. 
Yeah, and it's a shame because if, you know we've said like I said we said it's about Porcello when he pitches well and the offense can't click. It's been, now it's you know Fister pitched pretty well and just really couldn't put it together for him. So that was it for the series. Swept by the Orioles, who were three games under 500 to start the week. Then they ended up being 500 with that sweep. Uh, so we obviously all got that wrong. Uh, we, me and Lauren picked sweep, and Jared picked two out of three uh, from from his uh, his place, not on the show. Cool, to, fun to have your predictions, even though you weren't on the show. That was that was from cool my stuff, from so. my slumber because I was passed out by the time you guys recorded the show. That's right. But we still had your predictions, so we all blew that. So overall, it was a two and five week, pretty ugly for a seven game week, obviously with a lot of big losses. Uh, but we'll certainly give the week MVP to Mitch Moreland because. He was good at the plate, and he also pitched the ninth inning of the sixteen to three game. Pitchy two so, yeah, bags, get it done. And, and man, he looked good. He looked like—I mean, he had, he's pitched in the past uh, when he was younger, so he actually looked like a pitcher. He actually like good had form. a nice wind up, and yeah, yeah and, and he got a strikeout. So okay, uh, and then and then at the dish, he had um, three hits in that Thursday game against the Indians and two home runs. He had a home run the night before, so he had three home runs total for the week. He had five RBI, and a couple multi-hit games. So no doubt Mitch Moreland this week because, for one, nobody else really deserved it, and two, he was the best far and away. Yeah, can't go wrong with that, especially, you know, he pitched that game and he looked he looked good. He was the best pitcher that night. But it's nice to see him because I know lately he kind of was in a, a bit of a slump and it was kind of like, well, is this guy even going to do anything? And now he's really kind of getting back into the groove and even coming in clutch for us on the mound. Yeah, and it's nice to see, like you said, Lauren, because you know now he's starting to really fight for his playing time. Hanley's been playing more first base. You're not seeing him as much, which is fine, because coming into the year, Moreland wasn't supposed to play every day, and then it just kind of happened because Hanley was a baby and didn't want to play first base. They're finally figure that out because he hasn't hit either way, so now they're like, finally, just go play first base because you're not hitting well hitting DH either, so get over yourself. But And Mor- Moreland's playing a lot better, too. <laughs> and Moreland's been playing phenomenal, so he's earning that playing time, and it seems like he's holding up health-wise, so... All the power, yeah, to, all the power to him there, and, and then like you said, you know, you can put other players in there. You have options now, and um, so, but Moreland definitely, I think, out of the week that was one of the few bright spots for sure. Um, all right, there's Jess's recap. New friend of the show this week, brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel. Uh, fantasy football fans, the wait is finally over. F- football is back in like a week or so. Uh, fantasy football for everybody. It's FanDuel, man. It's awesome. It's good stuff. New contests starting every week. You don't have any busted season. You don't have to worry about injuries. Uh, and you can get in just starting at $1. Just pick a contest. Choose your team and watch your score uh, real time. It's awesome. I, I do it. I know these guys do it as well. And uh, we'll have more details coming on as we do have a, um, a listener games as well. You guys can challenge us to FanDuel throughout the NFL season, which is phenomenal. We all play fantasy football. And I know last year, a couple of my leagues, I got screwed by late season injuries and I, I lost it but I was able to go to FanDuel and, and throw a couple of bucks on some stuff and, and had a good time and was able to um, be successful with it because I, you, you redraft every week which is awesome yeah it's fun to have FanDuel um, like you said you know Julian Edelman gets hurt for the year and you don't have to worry about that if you draft him because you can just pick different players so that's the beauty of uh, of one one day fantasy so uh. check it out Poor, fun. poor Jules. Over 2.5 million players have won cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. If you sign up today, we have a great offer for you. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use our code RedSoxBeat, all one word. You can try FanDuel for free with no deposit required. Visit FanDuel.com to claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000. Just sign up using the promo code RedSoxBeat. That's FanDuel.com, promo code RedSoxBeat. 
void where prohibited. Guys love having FanDuel board here uh, throughout the football season. And, you know, like I said, we'll have plenty of opportunities for you guys as the listeners to challenge us throughout the week. We have our own listener leagues that we'll throw out there before the week one kind of contest begin uh, next week. And, of course, it all we all around here feel like crap because Julian Edelman's gone for the year, uh, which is <laughs> very, very unfortunate. But they're still going to go to the Super Bowl because they're just stacked, so it's fine. Um, but Red Sox podcast will continue on here. And, guys, I have to just ask you guys. Overall, we just talked about the week. What in the world happened? Like, these guys were cruising. Like, these guys were rolling. They were up five-something games on the Yankees. We were talking about catching the Astros for home field, no problem. Um, all jokes aside, obviously, with stuff going on in Houston, but how the hell did this happen? I mean, I, I wish I had a, a legitimate answer. I mean, I know, you know, they were really, so they were cruising through this week, the few weeks, of, and just winning all these awesome streaks. They were just, offensive and defensively clicking everything just seemed to be working and all of a sudden it just came to a crashing halt and i think at some point you know they needed to cool off i didn't think it was going to be so abrupt and so insane with the with the losses and the amount of or the lack of offense that was presented this week um i'm not too worried it's still august we're in the last days of august going into september we're still in first i know the lead is a little bit uh little less comfortable than it was, you know, four games ago. But it's we still have a lot of baseball left to be played. We'll have just over a month and it's just this team will click again. It's just they they fell apart for, for this week and it was unfortunate week to fall apart because they had two past good weeks that they were just on fire. I almost feel like it's better that the worst baseball happening against the non playoff team. Like at least <laughs> you got a couple wins against the, the Indians, which you wanted. You know, splitting with them at the road is certainly nothing bad. Getting swept by the Orioles at home, whole different story. But I honestly think really what happened was that, you know, like we've said, they've played so well. They only had four losses of all of August, you know, coming into the into the week after three weeks. So you're bound to have a bad stretch at some point. I mean, there haven't been a lot of big losing streaks this year. It was just the second four-game losing streak. And obviously, um, we're recording this on Monday after the game. So the Sox won tonight. So the four-game streak is over. So that's where it ended. I think it was really just bound to happen at some point. Uh, it's just happened quite a uh, quite a slap in your face kind of way with with a ton of runs. And really, I mean, the biggest thing is that the pitching's been great this year, and yeah. obviously the starting pitching was really bad in those three games, and you got hammered. So it just you know it tells us what we already what we've known for years and on end as long as we've been baseball fans is pitching wins you games, and if your pitching isn't good, you're not going to win, and that's what happened. Especially with this lineup, like you know, last year you might have been able to hit out of it. Um, a little bit more because you had some protection with Ortiz and everyone in the lineup. Whereas this year, you know, yeah, the team has been hitting well when they have those stretches of winning games. But overall, what's the theme of this year? Where they're playing really well, it's the pitching's consistent enough to keep them in games. Um, even if it's not gems by Chris Sale every night, it's something that keeps them in there until the offense kind of overcame the deficit or whatever it might have been. Those four games, guys, it was nothing. You could, you couldn't hit the barn side of a barn, and the starting pitching was terrible the first couple innings. I think overall... The starting pitching was the problem. I agree with you, Jess, because you get off to slow starts. All four of those games, you're losing after the first couple innings, and then then what do you do? You have to trust your offense to hit out of it. Because we talked about it, they had you know when Doug Fister threw the one hitter. Yeah, he won the game, but you know one bad pitch at the beginning of the game, and that's the theme. Rick Porcello, bad beginning of the game. Erod, same thing. So I think that's been the theme of why they kept losing. Now tonight was better, um, and you got a game back, so it's three and a half now as of Monday night because the Yankees lost tonight finally. So. 
you know, overall, not 100% concerned yet, but it shows there are some holes, and it shows that this team needs to be really, really figure it out. And, you know, you really could use David Price and Dustin Pedroia back right anytime soon now, guys. That'd be fantastic because you're missing pieces. And as much as David Price is a baby and whines all the time, we can sit here and make fun of his dog Astro and all this stuff. You need David Price in this rotation, I think, to even consider making a run. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's really any denying that. Um, I mean, I know he's starting to throw, so that's definitely a positive thing. But I think it's coming to show that, you know, we don't have or we need that in our rotation. We need, you know, the solid people in there that we can trust. And, you know, I know we can't really trust David Price in the playoffs right now, but we know we can trust him in the regular season for the most part. And that's really what we're missing because you have Erod who can't seem to get it together in the second. Rick Porcello who just gets hammered. And, you know, Fister, you, you really don't know what you're going to get with him. At least with Price, you can kind of gauge what you're going to get with him when he goes on the mound. So I think to have him back will definitely be a positive thing. I never thought I'd say that. But <laughs> I think it's something that the, the team needs right now, especially going into September, and this is a huge stretch of games for them. I think, you see, I don't even know if he pitches at all this year, to be 100% honest, because if he does, it's going to be right, right at the end of September because he's not even thrown off a mound yet. Has to get a rehab state. I don't even know how that's going to happen if he's not pitching by the time Pawtuck gets even done. And then you're going to have to figure that out. And then from there, maybe he gets one or two starts in before playoffs. And look, none of these guys really have proven it in the playoffs. It's not just David Price, right? Chris Sale's never pitched in a playoff game. And who knows what happens if you go up against the Indians. And we'll get to that in a second. And then Rick Porcello choked job last year in the playoffs along with David Price. So none of these guys have really proven it in the playoffs. And that's kind of a huge what if because of how big of an important piece they are in this Red Sox team's success. Pomeranz isn't pitching the playoffs either, has he? Uh, I don't think so. No, we played for San Diego. So. so, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <and> then, <laughs> and then, so, I mean, I can't imagine he did. Um, yeah. Look, I so, think... I mean, it's, it's Yeah, it's going to be hard for... I mean, it's hard to know it for any of them. Like, when we had Trenny on two weeks ago, she said, you don't know if you can trust them because you don't have any... You don't have any you have sample size you have for most it's, of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think, I think... I mean, yeah, with Price and Pedroia, obviously... You know, with price, experience, and you can never have enough pitchers because you never know what's going to happen. You know, Chris Sale could get hurt tomorrow, for all we know. So you can never have enough pitching. And then in terms of Pedroia, you can never have enough experience. He's the most experienced player on the team. So, I mean, those depending, no matter how they play, just having the experience and having those two guys and the fact with how long they've been in the league for, that can never hurt. Yeah, it's and it's one of those things where now you look at it and go, okay, you know, Drew Pomerantz has been phenomenal, right? There's no joke. This guy is for real, and I think you obviously won that trade. Net hindsight, right? You won that trade. It's okay. Espinosa's hurt. Like, whatever. Um, you figured it out, and Drew Pomerantz got healthy, and that's this is what they projected him out to be. The big question mark for me is, and I hate to say Chris Sale's a question mark, but what's going on against the Indians? Because he's been liked that all year. He's been phenomenal. And then every time he puts pitches against the Indians, they have his number in. Maybe it's just chalking it up to used to be in the division. They see him all the time when he was with the White Sox, and now it's just that same idea of now the Red Sox have to go to the film and figure out a game plan for him to pitch around the normalcies of that battle in that matchup. But or, or or I mean, or is it more than that? You guys tell me. Or is it simply just the Indians see him all the time, like the Red Sox see the Yankees all the time, and it's just them figuring him out, or what is it? Yeah, I think it's absolutely uh, familiarity. I don't really think it's too much to really look into. I mean, they need to figure out how they how Sale can pitch around the Indians, but you look at the other teams he's faced and just how lights out he is against everybody else, but when it comes to the Indians, he just completely crapped the bed because it's 
the Indians just haven't figured out. You know, they see him constantly, and I know that, you know, teams see other pitchers constantly, but I think when you have somebody on the mound, like, compared to, like, Rodriguez or a sale, you want to be able to figure out for sale because he can take down anybody. He's proven that time and time again. He has a million and one strikeouts right now, leads the league in strikeouts. So when they need to figure out who to figure out, and they have sales figured out. I mean, I think it's I think it's that simple. It's as easy as it sounds. I just think the Red Sox need to figure out how they can figure out how to get sale to pitch better against the Indians. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a familiarity thing, and that's it. Same thing against the Twins. He had some trouble against the Twins a couple times. Same thing in the division. So, honestly, I just think, you know, a couple blips, a couple bad starts. You know, they make adjustments against him. He'll come back and make adjustments against them. I mean, if you have a pitcher as good as Sale and what we've seen this year, I mean, you got to go to battle with that guy in the playoffs. You can't worry about who he's not pitched well against or whatever. You just wipe it clean, say this is the playoffs. I don't care, are you pitching? And I fully expect that he'll be just fine in the playoffs. I fully expect him to pitch great tomorrow against the Blue Jays. So I'm not worried about him. It is strange and it's concerning because of the team that it is. But I think he'll make the adjustments. And he's been one of the best pitchers in the league for seven years. I don't see how that's going to change. No, and I think you know he's still the side on candidate in the American League. And he's still um, the guy that I want top of the rotation going Whatever your first playoff game is, I want him there. That, that's it. There's no question about it. So I, I do agree. I think, I think we're kind of all on the same page in that, and I think it's just been a theme of he was in that division for so long. Um, it'd be like anyone who played in this division and played the Yankees so much to, to leave and come back and play the Yankees again. It's the same idea, right? So um, I think overall, you know, I'm not worried yet. Obviously, if it starts to crap the bed against other teams besides the Indians, then you get nervous, and then you start sure. to worry about what's going on. But until then, I just think it's going to be chalked up as, you know, figure it out like Lauren's saying, and go to the film, watch it, review it, figure out what is going on, and maybe get Dustin Pedroia involved because he's apparently master of the film sessions. We saw that last year. So maybe just get, yeah, get Dustin Pedroia in on the uh, pitch coach. coach. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> maybe that's all you need. Um, but, you know, this team is good on making adjustments. They're good on the fly. Um, you know, we saw JBJ go to the DL um, with his thumb. He's supposedly on track to be activated very soon when he's up for rein, uh, reinstatement this week. But, you know, they did go out and get Rajai Davis off the fly, and it seems like, you know, Dave Dombrowski's bringing in all of his ex-Tigers on this team. But that being said, I don't hate the pickup for Rajai Davis. You know, he's speedy, he's older, but he's, he has some experience in this league, and you got him in case, obviously, JBJ's thumb doesn't hold up. But at the same time, it's insurance on the base pass. He's still fast at, what, 37 years old. Um, what do you guys think, just quickly, of the uh, Rajai Davis adjustment they made and brought him in? Yeah, I mean, I love it for what it is. Um, first, I was a little concerned that they brought him in you know jbj's on the dl and i was yep. like oh great but it doesn't look like it's going to be a long-term thing but it's just you know like i said reassurance and he's quick and it's nice to see him still be able to kind of get out there and run the bases i know he's older and um he's been in the league for a while so this i think it'll be he'll be a great you know going forward i don't think it's a really long-term thing i think it's just like no nope, get him in here let's see it, see what he can do and what he's got going for us for the playoffs yeah i like it Obviously, he's 36, and your speed's going to decline at some point. But, I mean, he's quick, pinch runner. He's obviously a good starter, too. He had that home run last year in the World Series in Game 7. So, he's a difference maker. He's kind of a dynamic player. So, I think it's great. I see no reason to not have an extra guy. Chris Young hasn't really gotten the job done nope. uh, recently this year. So, I, I see it as a great move. He gave up nothing for him. So, I was all for it. 
Yeah, it worked out. Like like Lauren said, I was freaking out when they first did it. I'm like, oh, there it goes. Jackie Bradley out longer than we think. Crap, here it comes. Red Sox lying about their injuries. But, hey, maybe they're, maybe I was wrong because it sounds like he's coming back um, this week when he's up for it. It seems like Pedroia is moving along well. So you start to get these guys back. One guy that is coming back is supposedly, again, believe it when you see it, uh, Carson Smith is set to be activated supposedly on September 1st. Uh, watching some of his stuff, um, videos that have surfaced on Twitter, on the Internet, on the interwebs. Um, of his minor league pitching outings and guys he looks okay I mean he's gonna be rusty when he gets up here he hasn't pitched in a big league game in a while but if Carson Smith can come back and just be good enough to slot himself in the seventh inning doesn't need to be the eighth inning guy you have Addison Reed if he can come in do what he's capable of doing and just kind of ease back into it then you put him in the seventh inning Addison Reed in the eighth Kimbrell in the ninth that's a bullpen that can protect your starting rotation moving into the division potentially winning the division and going into the playoffs Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm really excited to see this guy pitch. We've only seen him pitch walking three innings since he's been with this team. Hey, so. those were phenomenal three innings. Come on now. And A, I, I loved every <laughs> inning. That I was blown was away. I was blown away. <laughs> and it's, you know, I know at first he kind of struggled. Um, you know, of course, he's been out of the game for so long, and yeah. he's really got to adjust. And to see him pitch well in AAA right now is definitely a good sign. I know he'll probably be a little rusty when he gets up here, but I won't be too concerned unless it's like game after game where I'm like, all right, this guy's not good. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he's ready. And I think he's, I think he's itching to get back. I know we want him, we want to see him so bad because we haven't, we've barely seen him. And like you said, if he can be, if we can get that seven, eighth, ninth inning, like set in stone, then this bullpen's going to be, going to have like a lot of reason to be feared. And you don't even mind him like getting a chance to pitch in the sixth inning, the fifth inning, just if it's a bad start, you know, um, put him wherever. Put him where, let him pitch the first inning and then put the starter in. Who cares? Just give him some like slow the second, inning. The second inning. Yeah, there he goes. Second <laughs> inning and then put a starter back in. Love it. There it is. Um, no, look seriously. Th- this guy just needs some low leverage opportunities to get into the get his feet wet, um, and then from there you start to leverage up with it throughout September. So if he's actually coming back September first, and we see that, it'd be a good month to test it. Right, you ease it up, you get into it by the end of September, you ram him and be the seventh inning guy. Come October, boom, there it is. Now you have a legit seventh inning guy who can be an eighth inning guy. If Reed pitches too much, you know, you have options back there. As long as Farrell doesn't screw it up, um, you, have, you have potential to really move forward here successfully. And that's just another bullpen arm you have that you can only help. Yeah, and Reed's pitched well, obviously, since the first couple outings he had. So yep. you trust him. You trust Kimbrell. I mean, even if Smith doesn't even make it up past the sixth inning, put Workman in the seventh inning, he's been really good. Markman's so phenomenal. In the sixth. Yeah, Workman in the seventh, Reed in the eighth, Kimbrel in the ninth. So that would work too. So you don't even necessarily need that high leverage if he's not up to that standard. But yeah. like you said, Jared, I think it's great to have if if he does come back September first, great to have the month uh, of of prep time before the playoffs to see how he does. And it keeps Matt Barnes off the mound, which is phenomenal. Just bye. Yeah, put put him in the fourth inning, right? Yeah, Bad seriously. Hitter, <laughs> he can pitch the, the he can pitch the second inning. He can do yeah. the second inning. Low <laughs> leverage at home at Fenway Park. Second inning. That's all he needs. Matt Barnes. So I told. I'm seriously. Don't even let him make the flight anymore. Like, don't even let him come on road trips in the playoffs. Leave him at home. Just let him pitch at home. Put him a cot at Fenway Park and let him live out the rest of the season at Fenway because clearly that's the only place he feels comfortable at this point. And it, it's kind of it's kind of hard to even watch at this point when he goes on the road. Like when Farrell put him in the eighth inning of that game on the road, I was like, that's it. Like done. I, and that was like you guys. I know you guys talked about that right after um, when we guys when you guys recorded last week. Farrell putting him in the eighth inning on the road. As soon as it happened, I was like, "Yep, well, that we're screwed." Yeah, we agreed with you. You know, we we, we are on your side with uh, this whole Farrell thing, and 
You must have been so happy. I was jumping for joy listening to I, it. I listened to it back, I of course, back and it, yeah, it was great. I was like, oh my god, the one show I'm not doing that they all agree with me. It's great. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it, you can't not question that. I don't care how much of a big Pharaoh fan you are. You have to sit there and be like, what the hell is this guy doing? Because you've seen his stats on the road. You've seen his e- ERA yep. on the road. Everything. Everything is just bad on the road for this guy. And he's just like, nah, put him in. It's just like it's like a toxic relationship. Like, I'm not sure if, like, Barnes beats Farrell or something and Farrell just needs to put him <laughs> in. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. John, don't make me pull the belt out. John, it's the eighth <laughs> inning. I can go in. I'll put you in. Relax. Yeah. It's just, it's terrible. It's he's dreadful to watch on the road. Yeah, it's brutal. It's that DL stint was useless because he didn't need it, but he needed it in terms of getting a rest. Because I'm sure his back didn't really hurt, but he needed the rest. So I think that came at a great time. Yeah, and I, I think that it came at a good time. You, you know, if you can keep Heath Hembry off the mound as much as possible. You know, it's just having Carson Smith back, Workman out of nowhere this year has been successful. So just kind of having those two things come together um, really makes this overall just a, um, a a potentially very formidable bullpen going into the playoffs if Carson Smith legit is coming back and can sustain it and actually is healthy and ready to go, which it seems like he is. Uh, it doesn't sound like he's had any setbacks through the minors, through the minors so far. So um, one can only hope that you can slot him in there and have some more insurance in case the rotation goes to crap again for some reason, or at least to be able to lock down into some of these games, especially once it gets colder in October, it'd be, only, it'd be nice to have those hard-throwing guys um, kind of blow up by them when it, the weather gets a little chillier. So that's always nice to see, too. You know, obviously a couple things happen around the league um, that, of note before we get to our predictions. But, guys, it just really only, all I really want to talk about is the brawl because, guys, this is what baseball's been missing. And you guys know I'm a fan of it. It's phenomenal. I don't care who gets suspended. I don't care what happens. This is the stuff that makes baseball interesting to a lot of people. Obviously, we're baseball people. We love it no matter what. But this is the stuff that makes baseball enjoyable to watch for pink hats, for whatever you want to call them. Um, this is something that baseball lacks, and man, was it fun to watch. Yeah, it was, it was so fun to watch. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm glad no one was like seriously hurt or anything. But well, I, yeah, of course. It was it was so much fun watching like Brett Gardner. It was a Brett Gardner hauling ass but from the left field bolt, like, Whoever was, I can't remember what now, but the video was just hilarious of him just absolutely going full speed to home plate. And, you know, it's just, it's it's great, like, it's great for baseball fans because people say, oh, the game's boring, this and that. Okay, well, watch this and tell me that it's boring. Tell me baseball's boring after you watch this fight. Like, Mickey was in the face of this catcher, shoving, pushing, punching, sure, F-bombs were thrown around, too. It was oh, just, God, yeah. Oh, so much fun. So much fun to watch. I, lo- I loved every second of it. And like I said, I'm glad no one was hurt, seriously. <laughs> I am super... I, I love I love baseball brawls. I, just, I love them. I live for them because you don't see them enough. No, I missed the Pedro Yankees brawl. No, one, of the, one of the better ones. So good. That was such a fun one. Yeah, I mean, brawls are interesting. They don't seem like what they're used to what they used to be at this point uh there definitely aren't as many it doesn't seem like maybe i'm crazy but this one was old-fashioned man three different times eight ejections uh but not getting suspended somehow not yeah, really sure I, don't, how. I don't know how he didn't do that but <laughs> i don't understand is that joe tory harkening back to his yankee roots and saying no nah, you can keep them it's fine oh you wear the you pinstripes oh you're good you gotta win yeah, the division you... go ahead <laughs> you threw a guy you threw the guy's head yeah that's fine yeah i mean i don't who knows I don't know, but it was exciting. Uh, a lot of a lot of punches being thrown. Uh, Cabrera calling out Aaron Judge uh, how he should get suspended. There was a lot going on in that, so pretty exciting. 
That's the best way to describe it. Old fashioned. You haven't seen like that in a while, and you know, just flames thrown everywhere, elbows flying, injections left and right. That's good old time, like '90s steroid era brawl. And that's something that we haven't had in a long time. And, you know, it might not happen again. It's like a solar eclipse. It might not happen again for a few years. But we appreciate every time it comes around now, and it's nice to see. And everyone freaks out when it happens. And don't stare directly into it, or you might go blind. Um, <laughs> okay, so brawls are best friends. That's what we've kind of come to there. Um, in regards to the fact that it was Players Weekend, which, you know, some fans might not even know. Because it really, I mean, as much as they marketed it, it wasn't something that really was over the top. Yeah, they changed the jerseys and, you know. Um, Price wasn't even around, but Astro's dad was on the back of his jersey and Dirty Craig and all this stuff. And what did you guys overall think of Players Weekend? Obviously, putting the baseball aside because the Red Sox were terrible um, and you didn't even want to watch the games because they were playing so bad all weekend. But was it something that baseball did right, did wrong? Should they even do it again? Like overall thoughts about their attempt at making this a, a Players Weekend? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was just something fun for the players and for the fans, and it was just something different you know we don't see we're used to seeing their last names on the back of their jersey so to see like their creativity definitely was a lot of fun for me and you know I love anything that has to do with the Red Sox and baseball and anything to make it more fun I'm all for so just something different I love the uniforms I don't think there was a uniform that I didn't like out of all the teams um Love the Marlins, the Marlins players. Uniforms. Oh, the Marlins were Those awesome. Are the Orioles were awesome. I hate saying that, but the Orioles jerseys were awesome. Pirates were awesome. Just all around, I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought the MLB did it right. And if you know, my birthday's coming up. If anybody wants to know to get me, I want a Dirty Craig jersey. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was cool. Uh, the players seemed to like it. Obviously, I got a little bit soured on it with the uh, terrible weekend it was, but. Yeah. As you said, Jared, baseball aside, um, I thought it was cool. I thought it was fun having something different. You know, I know the rules are always pretty strict with, like, the jerseys they can wear and stuff, and they weren't as strict this weekend. They could have more freedom what they do. I know Bet said he liked that, so Sox I liked all insane. that. Sock game was strong across the league. Love the Sock yeah. game. Oh, I love the socks. You're yeah. have, like, eight different colors on the socks. Yeah, it was insane. <laughs> and Ben and Teddy had a great pair of socks, too. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a good idea. I know some people didn't like it. I'm guessing that you'll probably be the curmudgeon you are, Jared. Maybe you didn't like it either. <laughs> Prove me wrong. If you, if you did like it, then fine. But <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't. No, I'm kind of lukewarm on it. Like, I didn't hate it. Like, I'm not going to be a t- my typical negative Nancy because I liked it. I mean, it was kind of cool. Like, Dirty Craig's a sweet nickname. Like, that's awesome. And I, it, was, it was funny because I, we I was watching, I forget which game it was, but they were talking about it because Salty was in the, uh, Jared Saltamaki was in the booth for the weekend. And he was talking about they were talking about Palpabon and like what his nickname would have been. And they joked about how he would have had to wear a different name on the back of his jersey every game because he had so many different nicknames. Stuff like that. It's kind of cool, especially having a player in the booth to do it, uh, a former player like that. That, that was kind of cool. I don't think he it was, was great, by the way. He was, I love Salty. It's better than Johnny Gomes. Huh. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> look, I, I don't know if it's something that really made a difference about viewership or anything like that. But I thought for people who are already going to the ballpark or people who are already fans of baseball, it's kind of a nice way to see their personality. The, I think my favorite part of it was actually the, um, the patches on the Jersey that they could mm-hmm. write on mm-hmm. that let the, let you write. Like, I think it was like what inspired you to play baseball. That was pretty cool. Cause then I forget, I think a few of the Astros players just said like Houston strong changed it once all the storms came across. But um, overall that was probably the coolest part because that kind of shows you like, 
you know, Sandy Leon's from Familia because of, you know, he's not from around here and all that stuff. And so you get a lot of the personality as well as what kind of inspires a lot of people. And you get family, friends, that kind of stuff. But that's kind of cool because how often do you get to write on your jersey too? Right. Yeah, but that was nice, like, little, like, personal touch that yep. goes beyond just, like, the last name of, or their nickname on the back of their jersey. So I thought that was definitely cool. And I really, you know, you know most of them said mom, dad, family, but it was still just a cool way and cool gesture to, for the players to show, you know, the big thanks to, to who they want to say thanks to for kind of getting to them to where they are now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was like, that was, I think the players said that that was their favorite part was the, the ability to do that and thank their parents and thank whoever they wanted to thank. So yeah, it's cool. It's different. That was, yeah, it was cool. It was very different. I loved, I loved what Pomeran said too, when he was talking about his nickname, like, <laughs> they all called they all called him big smooth and like, <laughs> his parents like didn't believe that they called him that and he's like no really they actually called me that i believe it see look it's on the back of the jersey i'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna buy you one you're, you're getting one for christmas because you don't believe me um <laughs> Tom no, Ritz is funny he's I, a funny dude he's got a weird personality but like in a good way like he's he's yeah. a personable dude he's quiet but he's definitely got some character when you hear the quotes in the post game locker room and stuff uh, no, he's, got some, he's got some nice hair too Wow, he's got great hair. He's got beautiful eyes, too. It's not Bryce Harper. Lauren, stop. Stop. (laughs) Um, No, look, it's not Bryce Harper hair, but he definitely probably uses some head and shoulders, and it definitely uh, flows it around. Nice volume. If he wore wore a batting helmet, he'd be legit. Like, it would be a nice flow. Mitch Moreland's got nice hair, too. Oh, God, he's got great hair. You think he's my favorite. Both Pomeranz and Moreland, both you like you look at them with a hat on. You're like, yeah, whatever. And they both take their hat off. You're like, whoa, hair. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think we all those are handsome dudes. But yeah, yeah hair too. Hair yeah, too. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, let's put the Fan bad. Let's put the bad week of baseball ahead. This is what we get when Lauren's on the show. Um, <laughs> so okay. So bad week aside, you know, I promised we made these predictions before this game was over tonight. Um, uh, obviously, the Red Sox won tonight, which is good. They finally ended the streak. But um, you have three against the Toronto Blue Jays in Toronto, and then four against the stupid New York Yankees, again, against the Yankees, including a Sunday night baseball game. So, Lauren, because you're so fascinated with players' hair, um, yeah. what's going on with the Toronto series? Obviously, one win in the books, but coming into tonight, what did you think was going to happen throughout these three uh, games? I think they're going to take two out of three from Toronto. I think you know Toronto's not a good team, and I think – that this is their time to turn this kind of bad streak around and they're, leave the bad week behind that they had last week. It's a great team to start against Toronto because, like I said, they're not a good team right now. They're not really going to be in a division race or playoff race at all. So, good time to do it. And they play they play well in Toronto. They play well against Toronto. So, I think, uh, I think two out of three is feasible. I would like to say sweep, but I completely was wrong last week when I said sweep. So, I'm going to go two out of three uh, with Toronto. And, you know, we've got sail on the mound tomorrow, so um, I think tomorrow we'll get our second win out of that. Yeah, I agree. I say win two out of three as well. Um, Toronto's been kind of a difficult team uh, the last several years to beat, but not this year. Sox play very well against the Blue Jays this, this year, and they're keeping it up uh, with tonight. I mean, you got Drew Pomerantz and Chris Sale on the mound. You got 28 wins combined between the two of them. you got to win those two games. So, guaranteed two wins in a row. Could I could see a sweep, but... Um, being in Toronto, I would say two out of three is a good bet. Yeah, I think, you know, all of the same reasons I haven't gone two out of three, too. I think coming into the series, tonight would have been the game maybe you lost. Um, 
but with Stroman on the mound, with Stroman right. on the mound, so and they won. So who knows? Maybe they do sweep. Obviously, with Sale pitching tomorrow night too. But um, I had them coming two out of three coming into to the series as well. Um, I know you guys differ from this. You know, you have four against the Yankees um, in the Bronx. I have them actually losing three out of four against the Yankees, and I don't know why I always predict negatively Ew. against the Yankees, but the way they've been playing, I actually can kind of justify it because look. The Yankees have been playing pretty well. Red Sox starting pitching hasn't held up. And look, maybe this weekend, you know, you get Carson Smith back on Friday. He he shines some light. Pedroia could be back this weekend too. So maybe that does propel them into um, successful series against the Yankees. But those are what ifs because you don't know if injuries are going to hold up. And right now the Red Sox are kind of chugging along. And um, overall, I just think the Yankees are kind of on a high right now in terms of they're playing pretty well right this second and that can hurt you i don't think you're going to be out of the division I, oh man it'll be tight it's going to be close and the, the series is huge because if you know if you do well against the yankees then you know you blow the door back open in terms of the pa- the pad you have in the division if not then you're screwed maybe you're not even in first place after that weekend so four games against the yankees i have them losing three out of four going three and four this week uh just please tell me you're not agreeing with me on that no, I'm not picking a, a lost series. I mean, you picked lose two out of three both the last series, and they won both two out of three in both those series. So, so you just keep being negative. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you can be wrong. I'll take the split. Um, I think it'll be a tough series because they're obviously a little bit closer now, three and a half games back. But I don't see the Yankees taking the series. Um, the Sox play well against them recently. Not the whole season as a whole, but recently they have. So I feel pretty good about a split. Uh, nothing will really change in terms of the st- standings with the split, but that will wrap up the season series against them. And I think that whether you're not playing quite as well now, they're going to have some motivation. Um, I could definitely see when three out of four, but I think a split's the safe, the safe pick. Yep, I'm right there with you. I think it's the safe thing to go is with the split. And I think, you know, like I said, these division games are huge, especially against the Yankees. They have a chance to kind of get really ahead in the division coming into coming into the weekend. And, you know, it's great the Yankees lost tonight. If they can continue that, and then going into the, the series against the Red Sox and lose to that, it still gives them a little cushion in that first-place lead. Um, I know it's hard to go into. Yeah, in that series against the Yankees, look, I almost said split. To be 100% honest, I'm not, like, 100% certain on losing three out of four uh, because the Yankees, you know, are hit, hit and miss, especially lately against the Red Sox. But um, I think overall... Um, one, wanted to be a little different than you guys because why the heck not? Um, and two, I think overall it's just going to be something where the pitching might come back to bite them again. Hopefully Carson Smith's back. Hopefully Pedroia plays this weekend. And it, maybe maybe you win all four games. Who knows? That's best-case scenario. But um, on that note, there are the, there are the uh, predictions for the week. Lauren and Jess have them going four and three. Identical predictions. I have them going three who, and four. Who copied who? Yeah, I don't know. You you'll, me. you'll never know. Whoa. Are you sure about that? You never I'll know. What came first, chicken or the egg? Um. So on that note, we'll get out of here for the week. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat, Facebook Red Sox Beat Podcast. Huge shout one more time to our new partner FanDuel. Don't forget to use the promo code uh, Red Sox Beat to play for free uh, in Week One Challenge. We'll get the uh, link up to the listener league as well. Every week you can challenge us, myself, Jess, and uh, Lauren here uh, to play us in Week One, Week Two, whatever it is throughout the season. We'll get on there too as well for you and, and compete against you guys for some prizes too. Um, on Twitter at CLNS Media, Facebook, same thing. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, on Stitcher. Don't forget to download the podcast app on iOS and Android as well for not just us, but all of the CLNS Media Network. And stay tuned to CLNSMedia.com. The new website will be up very, very soon. 
I will be able to kind of get you all this great content all in one place on the new revamped website, which would be awesome. So until then, that is just Thomas and Lauren Campbell. If you can see them on the video, if you're listening to audio, go watch the video on YouTube. And uh, we'll be back next week, uh, hopefully talking a better week of baseball than this was. Uh, but until then, for those three, this has been Red Sox Beat here on CLNS Media. We'll talk next week. <laughs>